to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey everyone, in today's episode, we're talking with Kelly Roach from Kelly Roach Coaching. And Kelly is a former Fortune 500 executive who's been featured on ABC, NBC, Fox, and has written a number of books as well as running two different companies. So I'm really excited to chat with Kelly today about growing a business that fits with your lifestyle, but also having her share her knowledge around team building. She managed a team of over 100 staff when she was working at the Fortune 500 company and also around some of the tactics that she has used to grow her business through social selling and also the frameworks that she teaches to help others do the same. Hi, Kelly, and welcome to the Bean Ninjas podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And Kelly, let's start with a little bit of your backstory. I'm really intrigued with your career early on and working your way up in a Fortune 500 company and then how you transitioned into your own business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I started in the Fortune 500 really because when I was graduating from college, I believed that that was the safest path to security and success. And I wanted to join an international firm where I could move up quickly and, you know, really grow my income and, you know, learn a lot of valuable skills for the business world. And all of those things happened. And that was great. I was promoted seven times in eight years. I became the youngest senior vice president in the company. I went from being a personal producer as a salesperson to then building a team of 100 people and managing 17 locations around the US. And so it was an extraordinary journey. I learned so, so much about business and about sales and about leadership and success, but also about myself, right? And so, you know, I think in doing that climb, I really realized that my value system aligns so much more with being an entrepreneur because what I truly valued was the flexibility to put my family first, the freedom, right, to travel the world and to do what I love and the fulfillment of giving back and doing work that really mattered. And I didn't feel like I could accomplish those three things there. And so I always say I was kind of like an accidental entrepreneur because I never set my sights on quote, being my own boss or becoming a business owner, it was more so just during that growth process, realizing it was the only way to accomplish what mattered most to me. Interesting. And so were you starting to come to those conclusions about what you wanted out of life while you were in that role? Or did you switch over and start consulting and then realize that was really fulfilling for you? No, I knew that. I realized it while I was still there. And, you know, I also realized that my health was really suffering and I wasn't able to take care of myself. And I was missing out on a lot of things with family and friends. And, you know, I just felt like life was passing by. And, you know, it's interesting because as an entrepreneur, you work so hard, right? And you really put your heart and soul in your business, but you have control right? You have control of your life and, you know, you can decide what hours you're going to work when, and you can decide what needs to come first and what needs to come last and all of that. But when you answer to someone else, you really don't have that. Right. And so I did realize that while I was there and that's why I began to explore, well, what am I good at? 
right? And what I'm really, really good at is business growth strategy. Like I can help people grow their business rocket fast. And that, that was the skill I really built while I was there. And I'm also really good at coaching people. I'm really good at helping people to set high goals and then map out the action plan to achieve them. And so to me, it was just kind of looking at, okay, what am I good at? How can I make a difference? Who can I make a difference for? And what can I do that people will actually be willing to pay for, right? And that's kind of how I came up with, you know, it going out there and focusing on helping small businesses to market, build, and grow so that it impacted, you know, not just them, but themselves, their family, and future generations. And what did your business look like when you first started out? So how did you find your first couple of clients? Yeah, in the beginning, I just started off doing one-to-one consulting. So I actually started with social media right away. It was right when Facebook released pages, if anybody remembers that. And, you know, I started off with putting out business tips each day and building an email list and sending out a newsletter and basically just advertising for my free consultation. And so that was really how I got up and running and got the whole thing off the ground. And then very quickly, as it began to grow, I moved into running group programs, online courses you know, masterminds, VIP days, writing the books, and then kind of the rest is history, you know? And so what does that look like now in terms of the programs that you run? So if someone was interested, then they've got their own business, they're really looking to grow quickly. What are the ways that they could work with you? Yeah, definitely. So I do not offer private coaching anymore. It's just, I run two companies now and I have a pretty robust team on both. And so that doesn't really fit with the model and where we are in our growth phase. But I do still do VIP days, which are unbelievably powerful, where I'll get together with someone for a full day and we will literally map out play by play exactly what they need to do over a six month period to make a very big, substantial leap in their business. So VIP days, I run the Legacy Leaders Mastermind, which is all about helping business owners who have established a brand and have clients and customers that want to scale up and need help building a winning team, learning how to transition from a producer in the business, the CEO of their company, really hiring training and, you know, up-leveling the right people in order to do that. And then of course, the Unstoppable Entrepreneur, which I believe and truly back up as the best business incubator on the planet, where we teach entrepreneurs literally everything that they need to know to take their business from zero to seven figures online. I wanted to back up for a moment. You talked about helping CEOs to build great teams. And that's a topic that is really interesting for me, but I think a lot of our audience too. And with my own development in building a business and becoming a CEO, we've got a business has a team of 15 now, but that's something that I've really had to learn along the way, on the fly. And so what's your process if you're helping a CEO transition into being a great leader? How do you work with them and what does that process look like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, the person has to be ready to go through a massive transformation as a person. Because what most people don't realize is, you know, they think that this is all about people performing or underperforming. And it's really more so about effective leadership, which then, you know, leads a person to be able to perform at peak. And so it starts with the readiness of the person to grow and to transform and to really step into a leadership role, not from the standpoint of being the hardest worker or doing the most in the business, 
but really focusing on learning the skills of getting results through others, empowering and elevating, you know, effectively delegating, being strategic in effective in running meetings and giving a structure and a set of KPIs and metrics that are going to engineer success for your people so that there's no question around how they're going to be successful or how they're going to achieve the outcomes that, you know, matter most to you. And if I was to apply that framework to some up-and-coming managers in my team, say I, I had someone in my team who had really strong technical skills and they're just starting to move into a management role, they're a high performer, they look like they've got a great future in front of them, but they haven't had a lot of experience being a leader before, which of those skills would you focus on learning first? Because it's probably difficult to do everything at once. So if they were to focus on developing these skills one at a time or a couple at a time, where would you start with someone that hasn't had much management or leadership experience before, but really wants to develop those skills? Well, I think first things first, you know, helping them to learn and understand how to become a great teacher and coach. Because, you know, most people that get into management roles for the first time got there because they are a great producer. They got there because they're the best employee, which means they're really good at taking action and, you know, driving that action repeatedly to get results. But it's a very different set of skills needed to perform as a leader versus a producer. And so the first thing that you want to focus on is helping them learn the skills that are going to be essential in everything that they do as a leader, which is teaching and coaching, right? So the teaching is empowering the person that they're trying to lead with the skill set and the direction and the understanding of the what and the how and the why. And then the coaching is the ability to assess performance and give effective feedback and effective strategies to take whatever result the person is currently getting and to improve upon it. I love that. Teaching, making sure that someone has the skills and the how and the what and the why, but then also framing that to understand the particular person that they're working with and coaching them to improve and to want to. Exactly. And so say that this new manager has developed that skill, they've become a great trainer and coach, what next? Yeah, so then it's the organization and the effective cadence, so to speak, of how you're going to lead. So that is, what do the AM meetings look like? What do the PM wrap-ups look like? When and how are you following up on their metrics? How are you holding people accountable? How are you helping people get back on track when they get off track? right? How are you helping them effectively set up their day so that their time is allocated in the right places and in the right way to get to the goals in the first place? So it's developing that management and or leadership routine that's going to drive results. Most business owners and most new leaders, you know, are kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Every day is different. There isn't any set routine. There isn't a lot of discipline around the follow-up of KPIs or the follow-through of accountability. And so it's kind of like a free-for-all, right? And then we're always looking in the rearview mirror, feeling disappointed with the outcomes that we're seeing. So instead, you want to help them create a very structured and proactive schedule that they will follow as a leader in terms of what they will do, and that they as a leader will follow with their team in terms of keeping them on track with what they need to do to be successful. 
And by a proactive schedule, do you mean that they might look at this at a sales report on the, the same day each week or have a Thursday morning blocked out to create content? Is that what you mean on a to get into a routine? Yeah, I mean, most people spend most of their time on things that absolutely do not matter. So, you know, if you can teach a leader right off the bat how to help their people to focus on the things that matter, the things that will generate results, the things that are going to make the person successful, they already have a huge advantage over the vast majority of the population. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. That's actually something that me and my business partner, Wayne, have been working on, being more intentional about what we're working on. So spending more time thinking about what tasks should we be doing to drive the business forward? And we have a Slack channel where we hold each other accountable to that. But it's very easy, especially with new business owners, I think. I know in our first couple of years of business to really spend a lot of time, as you said, on things that do not matter and not be clear about what's going to have the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I have some other questions for you around growing a business and marketing, but did you have any other comments that you wanted to add around leadership and growing teams before we move into the other topic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first and foremost, and I talk about this a lot in Bigger Than You, my newest book, it's all about looking in the mirror, right? It's called Look in the Mirror Leadership. And, you know, most of the problems that you want to solve in your company can be solved by you improving your effectiveness as a leader. And when you take on that mentality, it becomes very, very easy to get superior results from your team and to grow your company very quickly because you have ultimate control over doing that. When you place the blame outside of yourself or when you assume that it's always, you know, someone else's shortfall, that's the reason why you're not where you want to be, you give your power away and it's very difficult to drive those performance improvements that you're looking for. So, you know, I would say for anyone listening that hasn't, ever been a leader or hasn't ever been a manager before, getting some help learning the skills of management and leadership and recognizing how different they are from what you probably have been doing is the first step. Because a lot of people think after having like a bad employee experience or having an ineffective employee experience, that it's the managing of employees or the being a leader that they don't like or that didn't go well, when in fact, it's just a lack of understanding and a lack of education, both of which can easily be gaps that you can take control of closing, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And how many books have you written? I'm aware of a couple. And how have you created the time to produce so many? Yeah, yeah. So I have two books with my coaching company, and I have four books with Give Her Courage, which is my other company that I run with a partner. And, you know, I think books are such an unbelievably powerful way to give value to a broad global audience that comes back to you in just a multitude of ways, not only in the form of clients, but in building your brand that, you know, I think they're a really important part of overall strategy. If you want to be a true and lasting thought leader in your space, to put a stake in the ground, you know, for me writing bigger than you, like literally there are no books for entrepreneurs on management and leadership in a small business. So it's one of the only books available on the market that teaches about this. And I have my own proprietary system, which is what I teach in the legacy leaders program that is 
kind of spelled out in the book. So that was really me putting a stake in the ground in that market. And forever, I will use that book to teach this system and to claim, you know, leadership in that space. So it's an awesome thing, you know, to write a book, as I'm sure everybody listening knows, it's an unbelievable amount of work, an unbelievable amount of work. What I learned in my second book that I did with a coaching company, I recorded it with audios instead of actually writing it. And that was a much more enjoyable process for me. It was a much easier process for me. So I will do that going forward versus trying to sit down at a computer and type. You must have been very disciplined to be able to create six books as well as run two different businesses. How did you carve out the time to do that? You just make time. I mean, I think for me, you know, it's discipline, right? You get up early, you stay up late, you don't waste time on things that don't matter. You prioritize the things that do, right? And if you want it bad enough, you'll always find the time. You know, for me, the biggest advantage that I have is that I started my business on the side while I was still working my executive job. And so I learned how to run a high multiple six-figure business while working a full-time job. And so I never lost that discipline. And so I think that's why for me now I can run two companies and manage two teams and still, you know, have a life and be able to put my family first because I kind of had that boot camp that kicked me off. And that's why I always tell people, you know, your biggest thing that you think is a disadvantage is actually your greatest advantage. Cause I thought that was my biggest disadvantage. I was like, I'm never going to be successful trying to do this three hours a day, you know, until one day I woke up and I realized, wait a second, my business, I'm doing this part-time a couple hours a day. It's more successful than most businesses that people are doing full-time. It's really not about how many hours you have. It's about what you do with the hours that you have. And I think that's an important mindset shift for everybody to go through. Because I know everybody listening as a family or they have a job or they have parents that they're taking care of, or they have multiple companies, you know, everybody has more than one thing going on these days. So you kind of have to develop that perspective, right? I think that's so valuable. and. I think we can sometimes get caught up in excuses. So to say to ourselves, well, I can't start a business because I have a full-time job or I can't start a business because I've got family commitments and it's just not enough time. And so I think you've just presented a great example of showing that it can be done if you've got the discipline and you carve out that time and just make it happen. Next, I wanted to move on to chat about social media and marketing. And I know you've this has worked effectively in your business. And I'm interested in your thoughts on how other people might be able to learn from you and use some of the strategies that have been working for you. Yeah. So social selling to me is just this unbelievable opportunity that I feel we are so blessed to be in this moment in time to be able to take advantage of. And I think, you know, for so many people that are starting businesses now, you know, you kind of can take for granted the fact that we can live stream from our homes or that we can build million dollar businesses from our home offices. But a lot of the things that we have access now to for free, people were spending their entire life savings to go to a filming studio to shoot, you know, a couple hours worth of video a couple of years ago. Right. There's no such thing as live streaming when I started my business and probably wasn't for you either. Right. So, you know, there's this unbelievable opportunity to go direct to consumer from your home using, you know, your phone and live streaming, and you can build millions of dollars using social media. And, you know, so I'm just fascinated by this. And I love teaching people how to connect those dots and make it work for them. 
And what platforms do you focus on with your business and how did you decide which platforms to focus on? I focus on Facebook and Instagram and we do do LinkedIn as well, more for my corporate side of my business, not as much for the online like scalable piece. But, you know, we focus more so on Facebook because of the ability to run ads and utilize the group function. That's been really, really successful for us. That's where we have a heavy revenue stream flowing. And then on the flip side, obviously, Instagram is an important strategic piece of building a social media business in 2019. And so, you know, I was very resistant to get on Instagram. I was probably one of the last people on the planet that joined Instagram, but I finally gave in because I just realized strategically it's important, especially, you know, for us being a company that, you know, utilizes social media, you know, at the core of just about everything that we do. It's funny that you say you were one of the last. I'm not really on Instagram, but I've had a number of people say to me, our business is on Instagram, but we're not doing a great job of it. We're not really focused on that platform. And I've had a number of people say to me recently that we really should be focusing more on that. And the resistance that I've had as a B2B product service company is that I'm not sure whether our clients are there. They may well be. They probably are, considering how many people are on Instagram. And then as an accounting business, it seems difficult to create beautiful images compared to something like a cafe. So if you were talking to other B2B professional service businesses, what are your thoughts around how Instagram could be used? Oh my gosh. I mean, Instagram is an unbelievable tool for connecting with other businesses, especially locally, because of the fact that you can search the way that you can and DM them directly. I mean, Instagram is such an unbelievably powerful tool. You know, you can literally hand select the businesses that you want to work with, you know, comment and engage on their content, DM them, get them over to follow your account, put great content in front of them and build rapport and and relationship and then pull them into consultations. And so, you know, Instagram is absolutely applicable and a core tool, whether you're doing business to business or business to consumer. And how would you transition from getting that conversation started to getting someone onto a call? Would that be after a period of time or a certain number of messages? Yeah, you definitely want to focus on building rapport and creating, you know, good reciprocity before going in for any type of sales conversation. And so, you know, we try to build a genuine connection, genuine relationship, learn about the person, you know, get them to the point of, you know, asking about us. and as they get to that point where it's pretty clear that they do need help and they're asking us questions about how we help people, you know, that would be the point at which we would invite them to take that next step. And how would you go about defining, because there's so many Instagram accounts, finding the ones that would be your ideal customer to then reach out to? Yeah. So I think a couple of things. So I think one, just like searching, right. Based on different keywords and based on different, you know, phrases and types of business and that type of thing. But I think also you can look at people in the space that you're in or that sell to the same audience that you do. You can look at top engagers, you can look at their fans and followers, people that are participating in their account, and then you can look at their profiles and begin to discern whether or not they're people that you want to pursue. Yeah, that makes sense. And could you tell me more with the Facebook group that you've had? Is that where you share a lot of content and again, try and engage with your audience? And have you noticed any changes there over the last couple of years in terms of engagement or your content being viewed by 
members of the group? Yeah, I mean, one of the big reasons why we started focusing so much on groups is that engagement on the pages have dropped so much, right? It's crazy. So we see that we have higher reach and higher participation, higher engagement. Just about every metric is better in a group than it is on a page. That's why we've shifted so much focus there. And, you know, we've also found that engagement is now much more important than it was years ago because of kind of where consumers are in their buying process. They're really looking for the customization and that feeling of genuine connection. And they kind of see past and are completely over, you know, the automation or the mass messaging approach, if that makes sense. Yeah. And do you think the group strategy would work for most business owners or would it be, would you need a certain type of criteria or a certain type of business to benefit from running a group and building engagement in that method? No, I mean, I think that building a group will drive growth. So I don't think it's about being at a certain place in your business and then starting a group. I think if you're committed to starting and running a profitable group and doing what it takes to do that, building that group will help you to become more profitable as a business owner. Does that make sense? It does. Maybe it's similar to not waiting to build an audience or an email list until your business reaches a certain size. You can do that from the beginning too. Exactly. And I mean, I know quite a lot of our listeners are using LinkedIn. So I'm interested in your thoughts on strategies around how to use LinkedIn. I know you mentioned that you're using that more for the corporate side of your business rather than the coaching programs? Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is just an amazing tool. We do messaging campaigns on LinkedIn. So we kind of hand select who we want to work with. We begin doing messaging campaigns with them. It's actually one of the strategies that we teach in the Unstoppable program. And LinkedIn can be incredibly effective for the right type of client and the right match for offer. People on LinkedIn that are responsive and tend to spend time there are a lot of times very different from the type of people that are spending time and active on a Facebook or Instagram. So it's all about the match between the offer and the message and then the audience that you're going after. I must say, we were talking offline before we started recording, but your LinkedIn strategy must be working because I think we connected on LinkedIn and then engaged and then (laughs) I started following your content. So (laughs) There you go. There you go. See? (laughs) So before we wrap up, did you have any final thoughts that you wanted to share either around social media, team building, or just generally running a successful business? Yeah, well, I would say just in terms of building a successful team, like even if you've had a tough experience or you haven't seen the results that you've wanted so far, it's really important to understand that building a winning team is, you know, the essential you know, tipping point in creating freedom in your business, because it's when you transition out of being the business into running the business. And so it's something that's worth working at over a period of years, even if it doesn't come easy right away. So I would just kind of take that long view on that. And then just with social media and social selling, just remembering how lucky we are to have these tools at our fingertips and that you know, many, many people up into a very few years ago didn't have access to any of this. So it's just an unbelievable opportunity you know, for growth for everyone. And if any of our audience wanted to get in touch with you, where is the best place for them to do that? Well, I would say join us in the Tribe of Unstoppables, which is my Facebook group, because we have a blast in there. I do a live show every Tuesday night where I train on a different topic that is meaningful and relevant to online business owners working to scale 
their businesses. You can get your questions answered, build a support system, meet other awesome entrepreneurs. So I would say, come on over to the Tribe of Unstoppables. We'd love to have you. Right. And we'll add a link to that in the show notes. So it's easy for, for anyone to find. But Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. By the way, are you wanting support to get paid and make better decisions? We've put together a zero small business toolkit, including cash flow forecast templates and guides to setting up zero. Grab it for free at beingninjas.com slash zero toolkit. And that's X-E-R-O-T-O-O-L-K-I-T.